Jim Joyce, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. from from the garage. You from the garage? I'm calling you from. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because that looks like a different background from last week. So you're, you know, you can tell when you're Jim Joyce is vaccinated and moving around. <laughs> <laughs> definitely vaccinated. Definitely moving around. I'm I'm just outside of Boston in a lovely place called Martha's Vineyard uh, for a few days. Um, working out of here so love nice. loving life nice. loving life that that's <laughs> fantastic i'm i'm getting my my second jab uh this saturday actually so uh you know br- br- bracing for no impact um <laughs> only positive impact from being protected but that's about it and um yeah. i don't know for those who are watching my plan is actually to be in boston for july 12th so uh i don't you know as long as you're vaccinated reach out ping we can connect there. Yeah, yeah. Boston is Boston's living. It did, I, I love that they, they just removed the declaration of emergency right now uh, in Europe, is that or the US? And I saw that there. I just saw a note that said that, um, like out of Ireland, that they won't need PCR tests for traveling, you know, this summer. Oh, wow. so, so it feels like we're kind of unraveling. It's, it's get. it might be the end of our time soon, Eugene. It might be the end. Of our time. I, I, I know. I, you know, maybe if you're listening, just, you know, give us a shout, like, because yeah, I mean, this, this was made for this evil world that hit upon <laughs> us. Uh, and I'm trying to stay, still stay away from the, from saying the words, um, yeah. but even though we kind of gave up on it, Yeah, yeah. Cool. but anyway, uh, but it also means that, uh, you know, teams are getting back together. We, we started talking about already pulling our team together at some point later this year. Um, you know, Big I know. Big health Excel, Excel yeah, yeah, that's in Dublin, and I know we're talking about also a U.S. Uh, U.S. event. Uh, so there's a bunch of stuff that's happening already or in plan. So let's you know cross the fingers. But yeah. talking about teams, I know um, we we're, we're I'm excited to speak to this person. Maybe you introduce her a little sure. bit while I'm letting her in. Um, awesome. And- yeah, yeah. So so we have a phenomenal uh, pharmaceutical executive. Uh, that had the pleasure of starting life off with me uh, in early Pharmaland as she as she comes in here. Yeah. Um, hey, there she hey. is. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. I was hello, just hello, about- Eugene. Hello, Jim. Hello, Keisha. Hello. I've been wondering when I was going to get the chance to make the honor roll of being a part of this a part of this platform. <laughs> there you Thank go. You. Here we go. <laughs> I was just telling Jim, I was looking forward to uh, speaking to you and getting to know Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah, same heard, here. Heard she, amazing things. She probably regrets yes. She probably regrets reconnecting with me over the years for kind of being thrown onto this. <laughs> thrown onto. So, no, it's, a, it's been a great opportunity. And, you know, um, you know, from us connecting early on in our careers and then reconnecting, you know, almost 30 years later, it's been a great, uh, a great yeah. ride. Wow. And the things that we're doing in the space is awesome. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited and honored to be part of it. Yeah. So, so I was just, Keisha, how did you meet this? Oh, go ahead. Jim. Yeah. 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 No, I was teeing you up. So, so uh, well, I'll tee it up and I'll let, then let you introduce, you know, introduce yourself is, um, well, first of all, let me introduce you to Eugene. So Eugene, this is Keisha Muhammad. So, so Keisha, I thought was, you know, beyond one of the nicest, uh, coolest, best pharma executives I've ever had a chance to work with. Um, oh. And, you know, we started off our careers together in Sharing Plow, which is now Merck, like Jeff, we had Jeff Berkowitz on the call. Right. But I thought that 
Um, I thought Keisha's come to digital health. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know all the areas that you've worked in digital, you know, you've worked with digital, but she's come to digital health, you know, not at the starting the company level, but actually jo by joining the board. Um, so she well, joined the board of Health Beacon. And um, so that's how she's coming to digital health. So I thought that was kind of an interesting take. You know, people are joining yeah. kind of digital health revolution in different ways, and she's chose to join at the top. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, first of all, that's the way to go. Right. <laughs> but, 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 but secondly, unraveling uh, your journey to this, and I think sure. this is the interesting part, actually, you know, we'll get to that because as a, I don't want to say newcomer to digital health via Health Beacon, but like, I'd love your thoughts on kind of what, what does that even mean to you? But let's let's go sure. back to 30 years when you met Jim and he had even more hair, I guess, I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't well, know, he, or, he's, or, somehow or another, you know, he's managed to keep that that same amount of hair, which is awesome. <laughs> just got a little play on the side. Um, and, you know, so joining Jim, we both were um, joined Shearing Plow, which is now Merck, as you mentioned, as finance uh, managers, uh, working with um, supporting the marketing function within that organization. And um, as Jim has complimented me, he has been, you know, one of the most intelligent, brightest um, and, you know, awesome and funniest guys I had the opportunity to work with as well back in the day. Um, you may not who are you know. Talking about? Who are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> I know that guy. I know. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. Now he's a hard driving executive and the whole management team is like, you know, he's the energizer bunny and everyone's like, where does he get, you know, I know he's doing a shot of digital health, but he's doing a shot of something else because he's got so much energy and passion <laughs> going on it, and it's awesome. So, um, yeah, we start our careers in pharma and, and from the uh, finance route. And, um, you know, after a few years, we, we left that organization for a number of reasons. You know, Jim went off to pursue, you know, go, go to Ireland, you know, and um, pursue that entrepreneurial route. I continued in the marketing frame. So I went from finance into marketing and really never looked back from that perspective, mainly in the respiratory area, um, working for a number of pharmaceutical companies <clears throat> from Teva to uh, Mylan to uh, Meta to uh, to Altan and all of those those transitions had a lot of uh, acquisitions and turnover related to that. Yep. So background was uh, you know is in marketing. I now do strategic marketing from a consulting perspective, mainly in pharmaceuticals and healthcare. Um, but during that that route um, and those, those opportunities, you know, really looked at what digital health could mean to to patients and to the organizations that I worked for. There was definitely at least in the respiratory space. The, the idea that there needed to be um, smart inhalers, for example, you know, really putting mm -hmm. more than just a counter on that, but really how could, you, how could patients get that feedback about how they were being compliant with their medication? So that was really my first entree into looking at what digital health could mean, um, particularly from the patient perspective and also the difficulties associated with that, you know, um, in the pharmaceutical space and the collection of data, but also transitioning to what that meant for patients and how they were embracing that. Now, that's maybe 10 or so years ago. Things have evolved and, and rapidly, as you know, um, in the technological and digital digital health space, patients are much more familiar and comfortable with it. Um, pharmaceuticals may not be so, so much so, depending upon how they're looking at the technology. So a company like Health Beacon that's independent of those those types of you know pharmaceutical, yep. it's not you know, um, with a healthcare organization, but its own entity, really bringing that innovation to the space. And I think that's where, um, you know, digital health really has an opportunity because it's not tied to a pharmaceutical and a product, um, which has its own agenda to some degree, but also um, can really be more 
I would say innovative and have a lot more latitude because it's truly, you know, looking at what can be brought to the healthcare space and patient centric as well. Um, and looking at those issues that face patients in this, um, you know, whatever the disease is, but helping them to be, you know, much more compliant and uh, take advantage and take control of their health. Keisha, just I'm going to rewind back a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, number of roles, especially in the marketing, right? Because, uh, and, you know, the experience um, that I've had, and again, this is probably stereotypical, but when you're talking about marketing budgets, right? And, um, you know, large, uh, small or large molecule sales, right? And, and a product, mm -hmm. a physical product, in a lot of the discussions, some of these digital health technologies, it's an all of this real world evidence plans of a brand, but the actionability is very difficult, right? Um, and we had Chris Hogg from Propeller Health, uh, you mm -hmm. know, uh, et cetera. I'm sure you've, you've run across them. I'm curious, mm -hmm. like your experience, and you've mentioned a number of, you know, mentioned a number of companies without kind of getting into one or the other. What are your thoughts on, is this becoming real from a marketing perspective even, and marketing budgets so or? So I would say that this, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals, as, as great as they are, um, pharmaceutical organizations, they're, they're still tied to some traditional approaches to the way they do business and the constraints that are surrounding them, you know, whether it be from the FDA, OIG, all of those things, uh, you know, put a number of constraints on the way they do business, so particularly in the U.S. You know, my, my, my background, while I've had um, work on global teams, has really been more U.S. focused. Um, so I think that from a marketing perspective and marketing budget, um, there are constraints as to how those marketing, you know, the marketing talent or the marketing executives can really have latitude to do what they need to do because there are those checks and balances, whether it be with legal, compliance, et cetera. So there are challenges related to um, their ability to really embrace some of the, the innovation that goes on based on the way the organizations are structured and how, um, you know, how, how much appetite or risk the organization has to venture out into these areas. Um, also the investment that they've made in their own, on their own level in terms of innovation and technology. So while they've done, you know, while there's a there's an organization like Health Beacon and they can partner with, there's also the things, the strides they've made long, you know, years ago in technology, patented things that they're reluctant to let go of. Um, to some degree, those that can be obsolete at this point. And that's where right. the, the challenge comes in, where they're 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 you know a little bit behind the times as it relates to innovation because they latched onto these things 10, 15 years ago and are stuck trying to bring that to fruition, as opposed to just you know cutting bait and and really looking at a different approach and keeping up with the times. So um, pharma is 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 a, is a challenge, particularly in the U.S. I would say that the, the healthcare space, you know, some of the healthcare providers and the insurers may have some an opportunity to to be more, um, I would say, you know, more interested and more pal more palatable to to address it. Um, so that's where we have to look at it from a, a, an innovation perspective and really look at who we go after as stakeholders. Pharma is a great opportunity, however, the challenge and the hurdles associated with pharma are somewhat uh, somewhat difficult. And um, by the time you get through that process, you know, the train has left the station. Right. Right. I, I was wondering, like, just staying with that for a second. And, and um, did you didn't you, uh, you did you start in before you got into pharma? Were you GE or were you? So, yeah, my background, I'm a finance major, you know, went to school in Virginia, um, started with GE and their um, you know financial leadership program. So my background is finance and it was a nice 
um, you know, a nice partnering between finance and marketing. Everyone thought, you know, you need to go the sales route to, you know, be a, to get into marketing. I've never, never sold. I'm not a salesperson at all. I, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough for the folks at Shearing to recognize um, my passion for the business um, and my understanding of the business from a finance perspective to let me go into a, a marketing role while leapfrogging that sales perspective. So, yeah, outside you know, personality, personality, an outside personality yeah. for finance. Right? Real, <laughs> well, I was going to say real marketing is actually driven by metrics, right? Um, right. Exactly. I, I mean, the you know, there's obviously the creative side, right? That's but I. Sure you know, very much of KPI and experience driven and, and, and numbers driven. Right. So, right. right. And that's what I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I've always said to my salespeople, you know, marketing sets the strategy and sales executes, right? So, you know, I have to understand the business top of understand numbers in order for me to even develop a marketing strategy that they can then go out and execute. You know, if I you know, listen to every salesperson that was on the team and no knock against salespeople, because again, they are on the front lines and they have a great respect for the, that, that talent and that, that um, you know, that line of business. It's simply that you have to be understand what you're going after and why you're going after it. And that's where marketing and the finance piece comes together, um, you know, really, really well. And I think that's um, also what you know, people need to understand when you're, you're approaching a marketing team, they're being challenged to understand their business in a different way. It's not just about the end sale. It's, it's all the things that ladder up into, um, you know, how that product is going to be sold and what are the economics associated with it. So, you know, any good marketing talent has that understanding of the business um, top to bottom, and it's going to be challenged along those parameters. So that's the other difficulty because they are, you know, um, very business oriented and have to know all the parts of the business in order to execute on getting that product sold and into, you know, into physicians and out to the end consumer and patients. You know, I'm going to just keep writing because to me, this is um, also a fascinating discussion when it comes to digital health and partnerships with younger companies mm -hmm. and startups, right? Uh, and while I never ran a brand, right, um, in many of the discussions, and I'm picking completely random numbers, but if I have 100K, to invest in a campaign that has worked before and right. you know it may or may not be you know marginally less of results but still it's predictable versus mm -hmm. putting in 50 to 100k into a partnership with a startup right so putting your sort of financial acumen to that that's a tough mm -hmm. decision to make if you have a kpi on your back right to increase Absolutely. the rx sales so right. I'm, I'm like i'm curious on your thoughts on that like so, you know, you're absolutely right, Eugene. And that's the that's the dilemma that a, that a, you know, a marketing, you know, exec or a product manager has when they're deliver, you know, trying to determine in which way they're going to go, especially when we, at least in pharma, there's always that quarterly result, the, you know, the results to the investors, um, how, how the product is doing, and also, you know, what, what that means for their career progression at the end of the day. Um, so I think the, the idea is the business case that has to be put forth, they have to understand the numbers. And if they don't, if they don't understand that, then they need to bring in, you know, their internal, you know, resources to help identify that. But something that, that uh, Health Beacon does really well, and I think this is a testament to the way, the way Jim understands the business and his background, is having that business case really, you know, almost, yep. it's, a, it's, a, it's a layup in terms of how um, what Health Beacon can bring to that organization, and um, and and he's and all the other things that he's doing around that to make it not just um, 
a, a slam dunk from a, a innovation and product growth perspective, but also set, so that the organization does not have issues and challenges around the legalities of it, et cetera. So, you know, really looking at it from a very 360 holistic, but also from the, the client's perspective and making sure that all those boxes are checked so that the, you know, at the end of the day, the decision is, is fairly easy to make and can be, you know, whether it be legal that we're talking to or, or finance or marketing or sales, it's there. I think the challenge becomes simply the 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 appetite for a level of risk because again, it's either their internal uh, structures and and parameters that they have related to um, their own innovation, or they simply they they just simply don't 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 really don't get it in this environment because they're just not um, having a, a more forward-looking view because they're so bogged down in their mm-hmm. their current state. And that's the other challenge. You know, pharma um, and some of these traditional organizations are really caught up in just the immediate quarter to six months, the forward-looking view. And I'm not saying this as a knock to, the, to, to any, you know, any of the folks in the industry. It's simply the ability to have that lead time and look you know, 18 months out and that vision of what's the landscape going to look like um, is somewhat difficult, which is why I think a lot of organizations are starting to put in place innovation teams, right? So people that can have that longer purview and start to look at what's the market gonna look like 18, 24, 36 months down the road and be able to make those decisions and take that off of their immediate product management teams. And that's where we now have to insert ourselves in trying to, th- trying to find those individuals in the organization and get with those teams in order to move the needle forward. What do you think, Eugene? What do you, what do you think the average tenure is of, of a digital innovation executive inside pharma? You know, because Eugene was one. About, about three and a half years. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think that was pretty long. Um, right. but, but it's actually, I mean, it's an interesting discussion because as I was listening to you, Keisha, right? Like you were saying, you know, quarter to quarter, which I don't disagree. I mean, many publicly traded, especially companies, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, right. it's a, on one side, it's a little ironic because it takes about a decade and two billion, <laughs> right? To get something. And I think that's where the pressures are, right? Because yeah. two billion invested, right? Um, and that's just into that one particular- One whole product, product. right. Mm-hmm. There's many, many others that failed. So overall, yeah. and now it's the pressure to commercialize it as quickly as possible and right. get as many RXs. So it's the dichotomy of a long-term view into the product design, let's call it that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And a short-term yeah. view into the commercialization. Right. Um, Absolutely. So here's because here's what you have. I mean, you have a year. You have years ago when this molecule was being developed and a business case that supported it. The market dynamics, and I can, you know, I can, you know, particularly in respiratory, which is a the market landscape changed drastically over the years in terms of when we, you know, you had your your steroid molecules, your monotherapy molecules, then you had your dual therapy with Advair and it's and you know all of its competitors, then triple therapy. No one really saw that landscape evolving either as rapidly or um, as differently as when, you know, when they first started these, you know, introducing these molecules on top of that, then there's the innovation. And so you're stuck with a business case that said, let's develop this, this product and it's gonna be a blockbuster billion dollar, you know, billion dollar drug or even a half a billion, right? And right. then all of a sudden market changes, right? The FDA puts, you know, black box warnings on things, you know, so everything that you had in development changes. And over time, the, the, the you know, the opportunity for that product diminishes and then, then the innovation comes in. So now you've got a landscape that's not only saying, you know, introduce the product, but it better be, you know, it may have need to have some innovation to it. And and the train is, you know, they they really are behind the eight ball. So, you know, the innovation teams that are coming on board 
are still stuck with old model, old products that they've got to put bells and whistles on. Right. And it's, it's really, you know, to your point, Eugene, it's a dichotomy as well as it's a dilemma. And it's also, um, you know, how do you, uh, the tenure of anyone in these organizations to be able to see that, you know, that 10 year or 15 year view of a market right. is limited is limited because there's so many, they, they, they rotate, you know, yeah, also, <laughs> as you were, as you were saying, as you were talking about that, like in your way, you know, these products are invented, like Eugene, you were saying invented, you know, they have a 10, 15 year view, they put in a half a billion, a billion into the product and they actually, you know, organizationally have this very long-term, they have to have a long-term perspective, right? They have to have a long-term perspective, yep. but, but it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it's a bit like by the time the product, so if the long-term perspective for them is say, say it's 12 years of patent life or whatever, you know, a viable patent life. So by the time the commercial teams get it, you know, they've got four years or five years. So like, they're like, you know, so like, like we can think long-term, but you have to think about the next like three years. Right. You know, so, so now yep. when you, that business case that Eugene's talking <clears> about, <throat> it's like, Hey, we don't have, you know, you know, we don't have, I find that's really, I actually hadn't quite thought about it that way a lot of our challenges will come up is, is like, it's like, you know, you know, the product gets launched. So it's all about initiation, you know, initiation of therapy, yeah. market share. And it's then new, it's therapy. new to therapy. It's new to therapy, right? Yeah, it's new to therapy. So it doesn't really matter what you just got to get the doctors prescribing. Right. And then, yep. and then from there, it's kind of like, then maybe you're fending off some competition and then you're kind of, you know, harvesting, you know, the last few years and maybe then you look at adherence. So like adherence kind of almost comes in, in the final, like, you know, 24 months, like, oh, shit, we're going to lose the patent, you know, you know, we need adherence, you know, uh, you know, if, if, in a funny way, you know. You know, and, and it's super interesting to me, right, because, like, again, if we keep looking at pharma, right, core of it is the molecule that's been developed over a decade. If we look at services, right, um, that's, you know, it's tough for pharma to get into that. So standalone kind of health services, that's, you know, in, in many right. cases... Okay it's almost a conflict of interest because those services may be prescribing drugs, right? Um, that's obviously not. And then, you know, let, let's just make a make up a sample where Health Beacon would have been included in your phase one or phase two trials of a particular drug, right? right. Well, guess what? Your technology would change in the next eight years by the time you're into phase four, right? right. And so right. this is where a lot of these innovation teams are struggling. Okay, do I pair up with my internal stakeholders? Well, there's yeah. challenges through going through the phases. Do I go at right. the commercial? Then there's challenges about monetization of that partnership, right? right. Um, outside of predictable campaigns, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't want to go back to pharma. That's for sure. Challenge, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the challenge because you're you are you are put in a box to some degree, and you're not as innovative as you want to be or think you can be. There's just the, the structure sometimes is not there. Um, and even the idea of partnering with an organization, to your point, Eugene, it's like, okay, well, is this the right partner? Can they go the, is it through the long haul or is it just something for the moment that I'm, that I'm getting involved in? And that's the challenge as well. So it's, it's, right. it's a difficult one, but I think the, it's, it's, companies have to have to do partnerships as opposed to trying to develop this internally. You know, what, what innovation in pharma, innovation in pharma was basically putting a wraparound service and all these patient compliance programs. And Teva did it really well with, uh, you know, with its, um, with its uh, shared solutions 
in, ter in terms of with Capaxone. I mean, it, it, it really, and it was one of the things that kept them, kept its patent, uh, or at least kept it in the, in the marketplace, even at a, at a branded level, because of the shared service that they had the, the wraparound support to that. And that was innovative at the, at the time. And now everyone's doing some type of wraparound patient service and allowing um, patients to get um, information, et cetera, and, and, and nurses and things of that nature, making sure they're compliant. However, health speaking is like the next level of that, putting it right into the patient's hands and, and where you're taking out all of the extra, extra costs associated with nurses and pay, you know, and, and information and teleservices and reminders about compliance. It's yeah. now digital. What was once, you know, very manual is now digital. I, I think, you know, you know, I know we can all chat about this, you know, back and forth, but I think one, one of the things really interesting though, is it's almost recognition of this implementation timeframe. So like, you know, so, so it's saying, I feel like, you know, that, you know, just to your point, Keisha, like, it's like, you know, legal and compliance and concerns and data validation. And like, you know, can I trust the counterparty? Um, can, sorry guys, can you still get you? Um, can I trust the kind of counterparty risk of, you know, the other you know, partner, are they a good partner? So, so you have all this like implementation, which it kind of almost in some ways, if you think about it, you know, it shouldn't be 30 days, right? Like, like, like something meaningful, like it takes a bit of time to kind of get your head around that and contract that and do that, you know? So this is kind of a little bit of a dilemma of like, how do you land that? Like, that sounds to me like in reality, that's like, it's like a year and a half process or something, right? You know, it might start in 90 days, but you know, you're going to kind of, and then, and then to really scale it, you're probably like a year and a half or two years later. So again, I'm getting <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting attacked again last time too. <laughs> and and that, that and that, that, that timeline, Jim, that you mentioned factors into their ability to actually. I mean, so there's a further delay besides the, them getting the concept. You know, you sold it in; they understand it. Whatever the innovative uh, technology and digital uh, technology is, then for it to actually get up and to go to scale. The implementation time time frame based on all of those different parameters, like you said, may be anywhere from nine to eight, nine to eighteen months. And in that time frame, the way the marketplace is, at least digitally, you, you're behind the eight ball. I mean, it's it's happening happening so rapidly that right. you, pharma's got to really get. And we're picking on pharma, but it's I mean, any organization, particularly in the healthcare space, needs to understand that they've really got to challenge themselves to be much more um, reactive and proactive like to some speed. Speed is going to be really interesting. Like speed now for the pharma companies is going to be a competitive differentiation, right? If yeah. they can take, you know, a two-year implementation cycle and shrink that to nine months, you know, and, you know, then they might have an advantage, you know. I, I, I always say that, you know, it, it's really about a speed of learning of an organization. How adaptive mm -hmm. is an organization to continue learning quicker, 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 quicker cycles, right? And, right. and you know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, the vaccines, right? I mean, if you think about it, I know mRNA goes way, 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 way back, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's right. been many trials and efforts and tribulations around it. Um, you know, it pulled together that, you know, to me, the question is, um, can we see what we just saw with mRNA, uh, you know, the other mm -hmm. pandemic cancer, right? 400 plus cancers out there. And I know that mRNA has been, is right. being tested, right, for that. So right. that changes everything, right? Does that change everything? Because now your, your whole, you, you have this like platform technology, you're using software to recode it really quickly. You know, the regulators seem to kind of be responding to that and you know they had to they had no choice 
So it really, you know, that might like this whole idea of the, of the cycles might, you know, go quicker, right? And, and this right. is, I think, the opportunity then to pair this up with the digital health technologies, whatever that means to you as an individual, right? But I right. think if, if we can mat start matching those cycles, which is, I think, still challenging. I mean, obviously, the world came together to solve this. Um, right. But I, I think that's the only way that we're going to start seeing, uh, as I, I think I talked about a couple of years back, biotech and digitech really coming together, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So right. I want to change gears here for Let's a second. Let's change gears. So, 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 so as a, you know, and I want to get like your take. So, so, you know, so Keisha, like, so, and, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to make this always, I would never make it a health speaking commercial. You know, me, I never promote myself. You know, right. what do you, what, what do you mean? Isn't that what you talk well, about? I have no problem doing that. <laughs> but, so in terms of like company building, you know, Eugene, you have a ton of experience in that, you know, and thinking about creation, the, creating the company, so, um, so one of, you know, like my perspective or, or thinking about trying to think about up and down the organization and thinking about the board level. And I had this concept of like diversity of thinking, right? Like diversity of thinking, which might come in all different shapes and sizes and formats or whatever it is, but actually having built in hair and hair, and hair, <laughs> hair but so diversity of thinking. So, you know, I think like, you know, when I was thinking about like with Keisha joining our board, I have to say, you know, so you know, so we started a company in Ireland, we, we had our initial, you know, we had an, we have an international financier base, but, you know, very Irish influence, right. And so one of the things I had was to make sure that I had, you know, diversity at the board level, and not just diversity of like all the things people think about in a modern day, but actually diversity of thinking, right, like, like, yep. you know, you're not thinking Ireland out, maybe someone's coming in from international experience, maybe from a different personal experience, but I did, maybe just get your take on that. And then, a little bit like Un you know, unravel it, unravel it a little bit, Keisha. So for me, I, you know, it was it was great to have a conversation, you know, reconnecting with Jim and just understanding what he was doing, you know, keeping up, you know, on LinkedIn and seeing the different posts in, in terms of how um, he's, you know, sort of the serial entrepreneur and now what's happened with Health Beacon and looking and a, at and a podcaster and a YouTuber as well. A and YouTuber a podcast, and no, right. I mean, who would have thought? But actually, I mean, it, it, it's a no brainer. I mean, he's got the, the personality and skills and partnering with YouTube. I mean, I see you guys. It's just it's. It's 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 great information, but comical, and I love seeing the series. That you know, that, so it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 great. You got it's it's really it's it's really good stuff. And I'm not just saying that to you know to to, 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 to really. It, it is good stuff. Like I said, I wanted to be on there. I'm like, how do I get on this? I'm like Jim. It's been how many <laughs> top liver. Um, but no, I think the um, the idea of the diversity of thinking for sure. You know, getting outside of. Um, you know, the, the Irish marketplace and not just it's just a matter of as the company's growing. And this is where I think, you know, as you as you, you know, look at how you're how you want to move forward in any organization. What skill sets do you have to bring at the board level, which is really going to be that advisory, um, both the checks and balances where you need you need some of the, the, the folks that are going to continue to keep you to your original strategy or at least help you understand how you're moving afield from that. But also a certain group of folks that are going to be able to say visionary and um, look at different markets and have different skill sets that challenge that that board makeup. And that's the other thing, you know, that, that to have a healthy challenge um, and people that can do that in a respectful way that helps, uh, you know, 
move the business forward, having an understanding of market trends um, and, and understanding when we may need to move or shift the strategy in a different perspective and bring both the skill set of that understanding as well as the diversity of thought and saying, have we thought about it this way? Let's not stay with the traditional approach, which may no longer be working because of those trends in the market, right? And so how can we react much more quickly and innovatively um, in the space to help the company grow and reach the objectives that that we've set out, which is, you know, overarchingly, it's growth and growth at a steady, um, you know, and, and, and strong pace that keeps the company viable as opposed to being connected to um, maybe an older strategy that's not saying it doesn't work, but needs to evolve over time. Um, and I think that's where the diversity of, of a, the board comes in that helps make the innovation and the movement um, and the momentum sustained and maintained as opposed to keeping it in some, you know, sort of a, a traditional structure um, when you come, when you look at a board perspective. So not only the diversity of thought and skill sets, but also the diversity when it comes to gender, ethnicity and race, because at the end of the day, those, those, those differences also come to play um, in a way that you 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 can't identify on a on a piece of paper that says you know they've got this title and this this resume. It's going to be those other experiences that they've had as a result of their differences or our differences that will bring to the table. Um, just in the way you communicate, the way you get um, ideas shared, the way you move the needle forward, um, and how you position things in the organization and at the board level in order to help the the company move forward. So a lot of that um, diversity in, in different. Buckets. And we've always looked at it, I think, traditionally in terms of let's have a diverse skill set. Let's have just, you know, people with a great resume um, and, and some titles that can um, that'll be impressive to the to, to external stakeholders. But at the end of the day, there's also that element of diversity that's come in. Um, and I think that's getting more uh, getting more um, cachet and getting a lot more traction, uh, especially in this era of diversity and inclusion. And, I, you know, you hear the DNI uh, stuff in the U.S. a lot. Um, and San Pittsburgh, it's a big but um, yeah, I think that's, I think Jim's been a, been a smart cookie for um, broadening the, the, the board base in that way. You know, to me, and then this is, you, you, you brought DNI and, you know, getting a lot of recognition in US and a lot of talk, like to me, what we're talking about now is just common sense of, you know, the, if you think about it, like cult, culture eats strategy for life and culture is built on uh, not just people that are saying yes, but multitude of views into what happens, right? Like Marina and I would joke around that the meeting that we're discussing some decision and it's just like smooth as butter, that means we made a wrong decision <laughs> because we <laughs> wanted to, like, it, it just, it, it's impossible that everybody just agrees, right? And so <laughs> when you bring different backgrounds, cultures, education, like that's the only way you actually push forward. So I'm, exactly. I'm still struggling that this is now kind of bubbling up right, thing, right. Not, <laughs> right. but it's like right, I right. so sorry Jim, I'm sorry Jim you're really not that innovative it's just plain common no, sense no. But, you know. like been, yeah yeah no I, you know and, and I, you know in, in thinking through I, I when I it's funny when you know Keisha you and I talked and I said hey you know maybe there's a chance you know you know what do you think about and we kind of start talking about it you know and so I went to you know, you know, my board, which, you know, you've now met them multiple, multiple times, you know, unfortunately not in person because of the environment we're in, but, um, but, but the, you know, they're very disciplined, very successful executives have backed me, you know, which I'm, you know, thankful for in most cases, they put, you know, very substantial resources um, and time, you know, they're putting their reputation on the line. So with all that kind of thankfulness there, you know, but, you know, you know, you know, coming from maybe a consistent perspective, you know, financiers, um, you know, and when I 
uh, put uh, mooted the idea of appointing you saying, Here, here's what I'm thinking. I got 100% uh, acceptance of it. You know, so it wasn't even like, and I, I kind of wonder a little bit, you know, but in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, like anytime you point anyone to the board, anyone you, um, you point to the board, people are always going to question that. It's like, what are they bringing to the table? You know, rightfully. But I have to say, as I explained kind of the background and coming in, it was just doors were wide open. So I almost wonder whether digital health entrepreneurs know that the door okay. is open probably. There's probably no one resisting it. You know, I kind of wonder, because in my head, I was kind of like, oh, here comes a new board member. They're going to, you know, I'm going to go through a tough time just making the case right. for it. And it was 100% open. Right. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's great to know. I mean, that's, you know, we, we hadn't even had that discussion in terms of how it went. And, so, and since you hadn't, I was like, well, maybe there was a challenge. I need you want to tell me. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that to, to your to your point, Jim, there is a level of, at least at that um when you're looking at digital health and that a level of innovation, there has to be that broadness of thought more so than I think when you're talking about traditional companies and traditional board makeup um, and having the, the people that you've selected uh, to, to be at that level. I mean, they are all fantastic. I mean, I love the challenge. I love the thinking. Um, and even when it's, you know, it's sometimes it's like, you know, some more, uh, you know, us focused or EU focused <laughs> at times, you know, it's, it's, it, but being able to have that conversation with them, um, it's, it's very respectful. I think they are all, we're, we're all, um, you know, on board with what Health Beacon can do and what, it, and what it already is doing in the marketplace. And just really, you know, just, you know, struggling to have everyone else outside understand exactly what it can be. Um, so that's, that's the, I think that's the only challenge. The board is extremely, you know, excited and supportive. And, and um, it's just a matter of having the different perspectives um, and hearing the different thinking, I, you know, so I, I get challenged when, you know, one of the board members brings up a topic and I'm like, oh, you know, hadn't thought of it that way. And I think it's vice versa as well. And, and the fact that we can come together, have those, um, you know, constructive conversations and yet still all be, you know, every board meeting pretty much ends with, yeah, let's keep going forward. You know, let's keep moving in the direction. Yes, we've, we've shifted gears a little bit, but, you know, right, right. I know you like, you know, you're sweating bullets, you know, every, every call. But uh, no, what, what's, what's exciting about this is that there still is a passion for what Health Beacon brings to the marketplace. And it's, um, it's exciting to see their excitement. And, and, you know, we've got age range difference. We've got certainly diversity of skill set, gender, et cetera, country-wise. And, and it's just amazing that with all that diversity, there's still the single-mindedness of Health Beacon is, is, is moving in the right direction. There we go, Eugene. That was so powerful. Can we? Can you say that, repeat that again? <laughs> <laughs> You're recording. I guess, I guess we'll be able to rewind it at some point. Yeah. Right. right. But, and I'm a fast talker too, so it'll have to slow me down when I no, get all fast. That, that, that's all. Okay. So I, you know, when I listen to podcasts, I listen to it at 1.3 or 1.4 speed or whatever that's available. So yeah. I think I'm going to have to re-listen to it at normal speed but <laughs> so um I'm, I'm looking at our timing um i don't know jim do you want to go to any other i mean i i can keep unpacking but uh we can also go to your favorite question to yeah no i i'm dying to hear i don't know if you've, we've you've you've cheated and listened to some other podcasts but here's the big question so picture yourself a um you know digital health entrepreneur you know outside of detroit um, you know, outside, you know, it, it, uh, and you've come up with a phenomenal idea and you're starting it up and, you know, you go to, uh, you go, you go to yourself for advice. What advice would you give the digital health entrepreneur starting a company today out of Detroit? Wow. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be. Detroit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I don't know. Either, right, I'm not but... sure. 
Oh, sure, because Detroit's like, I'm not a... We can go to Pennsylvania. We're going to go to Pittsburgh. We're going to go to Pittsburgh, right? Because Pittsburgh has got Google, it's got Target. It's, it's yeah, got, let's go to know, Pittsburgh. So you're a digital right? entrepreneur out of Pittsburgh. Out of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a matter of you know getting, uh, you know, having the right having the right uh, people to to have a conversation with. So it's the the networking and the connections first and foremost. To you know to to bounce those ideas off of. I mean, I think you know one of the things that I, I think you have a great network, Jim, of people that you can tap into. You know, pick up the phone and say, what do you think about this? And really, you know peel back that and reduce that time um, in, in terms of whether it's going to work or not. But at the end of the day, it's having that passion as well for you, you know, you know, your market, you know, the industry um, and, and sticking with it, right. Knowing that this is something that is going to be, you know, a value to, to patients, to, 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 to the, to the industry and not getting discouraged. Number one, having a network of individuals that you can bounce, you know, innovative ideas off of. So getting those people that are, that are in the space, and have been in it in a way that understands some of the, the trends and nuances and the challenges associated with that. And then, the, and, and lastly, um, not giving up. You know, I think that there is definitely a level of um, stick to that's required um, because this is this, you know, in digital, it's changing very rapidly. And so it's a matter of being able to roll with the trends and having that energy to, um, to, to, to stick with it and understand that what you're doing is, really has value because there are going to be a lot of naysayers that are going to tell you, you know, this isn't going to work. You know, we don't need that. But, you know, having that vision and being able to see it through is going to be, a, you know, I would say that's, that's the advice. Persistence. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And to the millions of viewers and listeners, hit that subscribe and follow button. Till next Thank time. you for having me guys. I'm glad that I got a shot of digital health. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>